Yeah, I would say that one uh, is to make sure you're aligned with the vision of the founder. Um, because if you have conflicting, you know, I think one thing is to be a contrarian, right? To kind of present all sides and all views uh, to, to see what is possible, but also to make sure that you're aligned to the vision of any founder that you're working for. Uh, because at the end of the day, I, what I always tell people rather bluntly is it's their company and they had the idea and they got the backing for it. So your job is to execute and grow the business and do it in a, in a responsible way. So I, I've seen people who have clashed and butted heads with founders. There's, there's no sense in that. It's certainly something that um, you can be the contrarian and you can be somebody who who gives up good advice. But if you're foundationally opposed to something and you think you want to do it your way, um, there's certainly other opportunities to do that. Hey, everyone. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the pad podcast, uh, Matt Hurine. And uh, Matt, uh, in high school, wasn't sure what he wanted to be when he or when he grew up, which is uh, pretty normal. And and uh, or went to school in uh, Texas, and uh, then uh, went on to be an army vet for about five years, um, and then uh, joined a sales team in the oil field automation industry. Um, switched over to manu the manufacturing business to build a marketplace with uh, an operations team. Um, also uh, ended up doing a uh, healthcare uh, or a healthcare tech startup. Um, and then moved over to uh, Casper or Chris, CRISPR, Casper. I'm going to, I'm messing yeah, it up. Got it. <laughs> Casper. I was right the first time. Uh, Casper uh, as a COO and has and, and been enjoying that and doing it ever since. So, with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Matt. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Devin. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, I gave a, a quick introduction to a, a much longer journey. So, why don't uh, we go back in time a bit and uh, and unpack that? So, tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey got started in high school. Not sure, uh, not sure what you wanted to do when you grew up. Yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, I'm not sure who in high school knows exactly what they want to be or what they want to do. So, I think I'm in good company. But uh, overall, you know, I I think when I um, got out of school and into the working world, I knew that I wanted to work for. Um, fast-paced startup businesses, people who were building things. And I've had an extraordinary opportunity to do that over my my career. And uh, I'm currently at Casper Tech based here in Dallas, Texas uh, as the COO. So uh, it's, a, it's so, a great opportunity with the so that. Business. That was great and jumped over the whole journey and went to the very, or where <laughs> we're at today. So we're going to rewind yeah. and un unpack it a bit. So high sure. school, definitely understand, you know, I, I agree most of their high schoolers probably don't know what they're wanting to do or just starting to figure it out. So as you're coming out of high school, kind of where did you go from there? Yeah, so I out of high school, I went to to college at UT Austin. I'm a, a Texas Longhorn, and uh, knew that out of school, um, I wanted to be in the military and serve in the army. And so I uh, was able to to set that up after college. I went to OCS and served as an infantry officer for about five years. Uh, no. So, to, so to on, on the going to the Texas A and M, did you, so did you finish, get a degree, <laughs> part way through, yeah. went to the army, or kind of how did that go? Well, that was, I don't know if that was a Texas A&M joke there, but I went to UT Austin uh, as, as a oh, long I, you know what? I, it was I, good. I, it wasn't well, an intentional <laughs> joke, but, but that, nonetheless, well, maybe, it, or maybe it was an, uh, an, an inadvertent joke, but go ahead. 
Yeah, no, that's great. Um, but went to UT Austin and knew that I wanted to to get out and serve in the army. And so uh, I finished my degree. I finished uh, school there as, as an undergrad and got to go through the OCS program, which is a direct commissioning program and uh, served for, for about four to five years. Well, makes uh, makes perfect sense. So, so you went into the army now just out of curiosity. So you're coming out. What made you gravitate towards the army? Was it great opportunity? You said you always wanted to serve, um, or you know, kind of what, or, or kind of what led you to? Because you went, you went to college, got the four year degree, um, spent that time. What made you decide to, to to take the army route after that? Yeah, it's a really good question. Sometimes I look back on it, and not sure what the what the connection was there, or why the jump, but. I, I, my undergrad major was in government, so uh, in, in a way, it was a really nice bridge into doing uh, a lot of different things that I maybe wanted to do and uh, found a really productive way to, uh, to, to get my career jump started. And so for me, the Army was always about getting to do a couple of things, uh, which was to get a deployment and uh, get to serve some of those more uh, larger umbrella kind of concepts. But also, I knew that most people that I'd met, even in college or had come across in their career, had great starts in the military. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a model uh, to to pursue. And I was fortunate enough to get to take that journey. No, makes uh, makes perfect sense. Now, maybe just to follow that up, what did you do in the Army for that uh, period of five years? Yeah, sure. So I was an infantry officer. Um, so I always tell people who maybe not be familiar with it, something like Lieutenant Dan, uh, I got to be uh, an infantry guy uh, for, for four or five years uh, and serve uh, in a couple of different places throughout the country and throughout the world and had a deployment to uh, Afghanistan in 2012. So uh, it was a really great career, got to learn a lot of things, see a lot of things and, and meet people uh, from all different backgrounds. And it's an extremely informative experience, especially if you're going into business, uh, you see people from all different um, types of organizations and backgrounds. Uh, so it's really that kind of first exposure to it that's, that's really exciting. No, it sounds like it was a great opportunity and uh, gave you a great uh, path. So, so now you did the army for uh, for five years. Was a vet there. What made you yeah. decide to you know to come back into the civilian world or otherwise you know wrap up that and uh, and come back into the you know the the corporate world? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a there's a kind of. Um interesting time blocks within your time in military service where it makes sense to continue or makes sense to transition. And I always knew that I wanted to go into the corporate world uh, and hit a point in my career where I'd accomplished the things that I wanted to in the military and uh, wanted to make that transition. So, you know, first step out of the gate was I worked with a great uh, recruiter called uh, Cameron Brooks, which was a, a junior military officer organization uh, recruiting firm. Uh, that put officers into uh, corporate roles in, uh, throughout many different industries all across the country. And uh, I got a great opportunity with a, a, co a company called Victolic, which is a building supplies and material. And it was really foundational. I, you know, I was a territory sales manager. Uh, it was a big corporate uh, structure. So you kind of learn a little bit about that transition from the military and gave me a lot of exposure and background to people who were uh, using our product to build things. And it was an innovative product and it kind of laid the foundation for the things that I wanted to do next. Uh, but mo most importantly, understanding customers and understanding the dynamics of commercial business where you know people are uh, buying and selling and scoping and doing things for projects and, and uh, trying to find the right fit with the right value prop of a product. And so it was really an extremely uh, informative and educational time in my career. So no, makes, uh, makes sense. And so now how long, or how long did you do that? Or, or, or how long was that uh, phase of the career? 
Well, that was about a, a little over a year. So I, I had gotten into, into that, but started coming across things in the market where I saw companies who were uh, young, led by great entrepreneurs or in the startup space, uh, where I saw, you know, a really good opportunity to build something uh, unique. And so the exposure was great. And uh, it, it led to a transition to my first startup where I got the opportunity to work for an entrepreneur uh, in oil field and automation as an operations guy. But it was a wear all hats kind of scenario uh, mm-hmm. where I got to take some of that commercial background and blend it into an operational role in a really unique space, uh, which is oil and gas, which is a, a pretty dynamic in terms of technology and what people are trying to do in terms of value added services. So. Uh, I, I had great connections from the military who made the introduction, and that's where I really jumped off into the uh, into the startup world. No, sounds like it was a, a good uh, good uh, jump over. So now, as he said, okay, you know, did the oil industry for a period of time, had the opportunity to, to kind of get into the startup world and, and take it in that direction. Um, so now, as you're as you're doing that, you know, or I think you went into the health tech startup world. What you know, how did you? Seems like a, a a reasonably large jump from the oil industry, or you know, or over to health tech. How did you kind of make that transition, or how did you kind of make that jump to and and, and you know, figure out health tech versus oil industry? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question because the one thing that's interesting is that a lot of the business foundations or when you're working for entrepreneurs or working for small businesses uh, is that you get a lot of the foundational knowledge of what it takes to build a great platform or a great marketplace or a great product um, and, and really you know make sure that it fits with the customer base. And so I jumped from PetroCloud to Variable where I spent a lot of my career, uh, which was the on-demand marketplace for uh, manufacturing and labor. Um, something like an Uber, but for for manufacturing specifically. So it was a really dynamic marketplace concept. It's headquartered here in Dallas. I had the chance to work for a really great entrepreneur there uh, who was building something from the ground up. And it was really a uh, what I would call a zero to one type of scenario where there's nothing like that that existed in the space before. And they're really setting um, or, or pushing the boundaries of of where things uh, can go and what's possible in, a, in an ever-changing supply chain and and manufacturing landscape. So it was really tied into a lot of megatrends, a lot of big things that we see in the economy. And I, I got a great opportunity to lead a team uh, as the Dallas market manager and then work through the enterprise channel uh, once it built and scaled. And so they've been enormously successful and I had a, a great experience. So now, and, and one thing you started to touch on, which is, and we also discussed a little bit before. So you started, you know, kind of coming into sales as a, a regional manager and, and then slowly kind of worked your way up through the company. So give us an idea kind of, you know, because I think that there are people that, you know, that do that and, and some do successfully and some end up making an exit because they get frustrated that they're, uh, you know, not able to make the progress within the company they want. So how yeah. did you kind of go from, you know, sales manager to, you know, a, a, a region to working your way up to, you know, top management and to be able to, to have impact on the company kind of walk us through that. Yeah, that's a great question because I think a lot of people see the world through two different lenses, and I think they're the same in a lot of ways, which is commercial uh, facing roles and operations roles. Operations roles are foundational to just about anything. So if you're uh, a good you know, operations guy, you have a really great uh, shot at being a good commercial person because you understand a lot of the dynamics of the business. Uh, if you're a great commercial person, you know that's very informative to you know the operational side of the business, understanding what customers needs and wants and where a product market fit is. So I, I would say that you know 
the the thing that I've been very fortunate in in my career to to get to experience is a blend of commercial and operational roles where one kind of informs the other. Uh, and so being open to that mindset and understanding the foundations of operations and also understanding, uh, you know, in order for that to be successful, scalable businesses have to be built through commercial channels. Uh, it's kind of a one meets the other type scenario where uh, one informs the other and mm -hmm. people who get the chance to do things commercially really have to take the time to understand the operation side of any business. No, that uh, that makes sense. Now, give us night or, or kind of to follow up on that. What are you know, over what period of time did you? you know, get into building or working your way up? What was that transition? Did you just go straight from sales manager or, or district manager all the way to COO in a, matter, a matter of a couple of weeks? Or, or kind of how did that go? And, and and what was that period of time? And kind of what was that progression? Yeah, no, that's it's a really unique blend of opportunity and timing, right? So it's, um, you know, I made the jump from variable over to Intellicentrics, which was uh, the healthcare tech space you were referring to, uh, mm -hmm. which is an, another founder-led company that um, is is a large uh, publicly traded company. So they were at a very different stage. But I think one of the things that uh, was really instrumental in that is that the, both companies were scaling. So, you know, when you see the commercial success of the company and the product and the concept catching on in a marketplace environment, uh, you grow your network, you grow. Uh, all types of uh, foundational knowledge uh, that allows you to make those kinds of jumps. So I, I transitioned out of variable to, to lead another commercial team uh, for something that was engaging, you know, a, a set user base and, and a group of customers that were using a product uh, that was more of a, a marketplace or a platform environment. So taking one experience and rolling it into the other to address a completely different vertical or a completely different market is something that's really achievable. I think that a lot of the foundations remain the same. Are people getting value created from the product that they're using? Are they um, being engaged you know, uh, consistently in a way that's value add, not something that you're trying to upsell or build on? Uh, and are they using the product in the right scope and the right fit? So, you know, I think that's one of the, the biggest things I've seen across my career and worth noting is that most successful, um, you know, companies or most successful customers who are using a product are doing it within the right framework and the right scope. When you try to stretch that limit a little bit and be all things to all people, you end up missing everything. So I think that's been kind of what I, I've gathered from my experience uh, over the past few years, especially, uh, is that it has to fit the right scope of work and be the right product at the right time. And so I, mm. I made that transition to lead a commercial team and then uh, found Casper. But that's uh, that's kind of how my, uh, my flight path took, um, you know, with the experience over the past couple of years. And that was, that's what I was going to ask. So, you know, so you, you joined Casper, did you join a COO and, and go directly into that position? It was kind of the previous, uh, you know, tech startup and that, that gave you that opportunity or kind of how did that, or how, did, and, and, and if so, or if not, then, you know, fill it in. If so, how did you kind of come about that or how did that opportunity present itself or how'd you find that and, and move into that position? Yeah, so I joined Casper about nine or 10 months ago uh, and worked for the founding team here. And so another you know great uh, stop in my career to work for founders and people who are building a company. So I joined a COO, uh, which is you know in a smaller uh, company or leaner teams, uh, operations and commercial. Yet again, it's kind of a blended, uh, a blended path. So yeah, I think that the one thing that led me here was that 
blend of experience across both uh, about, you know, both commercial and operations uh, where you're trying to grow the business and have it be successful commercially, but also keep in mind how to scale it uh, and build it in a way that's sustainable and that can address an ever increasing market. And so I joined Casper uh, in more of the operational role, uh, but have, have again, drifted a little bit into the commercial recently. So it's, it's definitely one of those things where I see a lot of the the same um, patterns repeating in my career with different products, some of it, you know, more platform and tech environment, and some of it more of the the stuff that exists um, physically in the real world hardware and, and manufactured products. Awesome. Well, sounds like it's been a great journey and a, a great journey yet ahead. So, so now with that, kind of give us an idea if you were to be looking out to the next, you know, six to 12 months, kind of where things are headed with the business and where you see things going, kind of where, or what, what does that look like? Yeah, I think that so one thing about our product is that um, it, it's a, you know, CASPER stands for continuous error and surface pathogen reduction. So, you know, obviously that caught on over the past few years outside of the healthcare world and in more retail education, transportation type uh, markets because of the effects of the pandemic. But people have uh, become a lot more in tune with what good indoor air quality is. So it's really, you're seeing the the product grow with the market and the understanding uh, in the general public about indoor air quality, as opposed to just, you know, a COVID fighting or, or pathogen reduction technology. So there's a lot of benefit to that. Over the next couple months and years, we're, we're going to see uh, a lot of things trending in the regulatory environment towards better indoor air quality. Uh, Europe's a little bit ahead of the United States on that in terms of what indoor air environments look like. Uh, but the regulatory environment is drifting that way because at the end of the day, it's healthier. People want to know uh, what the the indoor air quality is like, what kind of building are they walking into, working in, uh, mm -hmm. taking their kids to school in. So we see that as becoming uh, a lot more common knowledge and, and the right kind of questions coming from the general public. Well, sounds like a, a good, uh, good direction ahead, a lot of opportunity, and sounds like it'll be an exciting uh, journey. So awesome. Well, now as we've kind of reached the present day of your journey and even looking a, a bit into the future as to where it's headed, it's a great time to transition to the the two questions I always ask uh, at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what did you learn from it? I think I've had, so I'm a repeat offender of the worst business decision I've ever made. And I put a lot of thought into this because it's a really good question. It makes people kind of think about, you know, some things with the the, the benefit of being retrospective. But I think one thing that uh, has been persistent is always trying to make a product fit outside of its scope. And I've done that in a number of situations where you're you're trying to integrate too many things in hardware, and all of a sudden you're doing that in the field environment where you you're living under what I call the tyranny of the urgent, uh, where you're trying to urgently you know grow the company and grow revenue, but you're doing something experimental. Uh, I've done that in a you know on a field installation in the oil field, and I've done that in a tech marketplace at Variable where it was just wasn't a good fit, uh, where it was probably more inclined to something traditional like staffing as opposed to a marketplace dynamic. And so the effects of that and the consequences are one operational, you know, you take a hit for procuring a ton of equipment that maybe becomes obsolete really fast or two, you kind of miss your growth target. And so if, if the organization isn't really aligned to um, keeping that top line excellence or keeping the mentality of, of building and growing a company in a, in a fast paced venture environment, uh, you'll miss. And that's, that's uh, something that you have to keep front and center constantly. You can do it and then forget about it. And then you find yourself right back in the same place. So never repeating the same mistakes. 
No, I think that's a great, uh, great mistake to learn from. And definitely sounds like, uh, hey, being a repeat offender, some of us uh, take longer <laughs> to learn from mistakes and others uh, get down the first try. And either way is great as long as we're continuing to learn and improve. Yeah. Continuous improvement, I think, is the the, the gist of it. Absolutely. So now the, the second question that I always ask is talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Yeah, I would say that one uh, is to make sure you're aligned with the vision of the founder, Um, because if you have conflicting, you know, I think one thing is to be a contrarian, right, to kind of present all sides and all views uh, to to see what is possible, but also to make sure that you're aligned to the vision of any founder that you're working for. Uh, Because at the end of the day, what I always tell people rather bluntly is it's their company and they had the idea and they got the backing for it. So your job is to execute and grow the business and do it in a, in a responsible way. So I, I've seen people who have clashed and butted heads with founders. There's there's no sense in that. It's certainly something that um, you can be the contrarian and you can be somebody who who gives up good advice. But if you're foundationally opposed to something and you think you want to do it your way, um, there's certainly other opportunities to do that. Hmm. No, I think that's a uh, great advice and a great uh, takeaway. So Awesome. Well, uh, as as we uh, wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Best way is on uh, probably LinkedIn. So Matt Horine, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, just my direct email, matt at caspergroup.com. Awesome. We'll definitely uh, encourage people to reach out and uh, make a, a good uh, connection. And if nothing else, a new best friend. So yeah, with right. that, thank you again, Matt, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So let's go to inventiveguest.com. Glad to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click share, subscribe, and leave us a review. Really helps us to uh, share this uh, or these journeys with even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And with that, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your startup, your small business, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Matt, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. All right. Thanks for having me on, Devin. Appreciate it.